Well, good evening, family. Welcome to CHCC. What a, what a joy it is to, to gather once again uh, to worship King Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 What a joy it is. And so if you have a Bible, uh, let me get you to go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we're going to be this evening. So Ephesians 4, verses 7 through 16, uh, as we continue in our sermon series through the book of Ephesians. Uh, called Grace Through Faith, a gift from God. Is you back here? Oh, I think Josh grabbed it. Yeah. Um, yeah, as we continue in our sermon series, through the book of Ephesians, Grace Through Faith, a gift from God. So before we jump in, let me, let me ask God for his help. And so let's, let's pray together. Again, let's pray. Father, we uh, are nothing. We are nothing apart from you. God, we praise you, God, as we have already been uh, praying and, and singing and hearing your word read. God, we know that we, um, yeah, we need more of you. We need you. And so, God, we ask that you would have your way in our time now um, as we hear your word proclaimed. God, I pray that uh, you would increase and that I would decrease. Uh, I pray, God, that uh, your word uh, would do the work in all of our hearts. Would you, yeah, uh, by your spirit, convict us of sin. Would you, by your spirit, encourage us. Would you, by your spirit, edify us. Would you, by your spirit, deepen our love and joy and affection for the gospel for Jesus this evening. Would you, by your spirit, compel us to tell someone about that gospel about the good news of Christ that has saved us sinners. And so, God, we, we ask that you would do this and that you would do it for your glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 7, reads as follows. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Amen. This is this is God's word. Amen. 
So if you're taking notes this evening, uh, here's the main idea of our passage. And it's this is that God has given spiritually gifted leaders to the church to equip you, us for ministry and cultivate Christ like maturity. Once again, God has given spiritually gifted leaders to the church to equip us, the saints, for ministry and cultivate Christ-like maturity. So I have just two points for us this evening that will help guide us in our time. And so point one, and there'll be some subpoints under each uh, main point. Uh, so point one, God's plan for the health of his church. If you were to put a colon after church, you would then say uh, spiritually gifted leaders. So once again, point one, God's plan for the health of his church, spiritually gifted leaders. And we'll see that in verses seven through 12. And so those three sub points underneath that is a the giver. That'll be seven through 11. B, the gifts. Verse 11. C, the goal. So that's verse 12. And then point two, God's purpose for the health of his church. Once again, a colon there. Spiritually mature Christians. So once again, point two, God's purpose for the health of his church, spiritually mature Christians. And so we'll see that in verses 13 through 16. And so three sub points under there. A, Christ likeness. We'll see that in verse 13. B, characterized by truth. We'll see that in verses 14 through 15. And then C, connected. Connected. We'll see that in verse 16. So point one, God's plan for the health of his church spiritually gifted leaders. So let's look at the first subpoint, the giver. Look back at verse seven with me. Here's what it reads. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. All right. So our passage this evening is one of few places where we find spiritual gifts mentioned. Uh, Paul, who is the author of the book of Ephesians, uh, writes elsewhere in a few other places about spiritual gifts. Um, so you don't have to turn here, but feel free to do so or just jot these references down and check them out later. But Romans 12 verses four through eight and then first Corinthians 12 through 14. So chapters 12 through 14 are the other places in scripture uh, that Paul writes on spiritual gifts. And in each one of those references, family, we find a similar phrase. Uh, that similar phrase phrase is found in Ephesians 4, 7. It says, but grace was given to each one of us. But grace was given to each one of us. And so listen to these examples here in Romans 12, 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So that's Romans 12, 6. And then 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7, it says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Verse seven, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So that's 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. So you, you hear and see, if you turn there, uh, a similar phrase that's even uh, here in chapter 4 uh, in Ephesians. And so you see that to each is given or grace is given listed in both of these. Paul even mentions, family, how this grace made him a minister and how it was given to him to preach Christ. Uh, in Ephesians 3, 7 through 8. And so we saw that some time ago. 
uh, but that it was just it was God's grace that made him a minister. It was it was God's grace given to him uh, that allowed him to preach Christ crucified. And so I want to be clear uh, that the grace that's being mentioned here in Ephesians four is not the same grace as saving grace. Uh, this is this is not the, the same grace as, as saving grace as you'll see or have seen in Ephesians two, verse eight. Look over with me. Just look over in chapter two, verse eight and nine. It says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may vote. So this isn't the same type of grace that Paul is referring to here in Ephesians four. So that's saving grace. The, the grace that's being mentioned here in Ephesians four uh, has more to do with the meaning that God has graced us. Graced Christians have given Christians all spiritual gifts that he's given all of us spiritual gifts. And so what we see here in verse seven and the other passages that are read on spiritual gifts is that these gifts are from God and that they are given to every believer. They're given to every Christian. The last part of verse seven, where it says, according to the measure of Christ's gift, uh, this just means that uh, the gifts were given at differing degrees uh, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Once again, just further affirming that God is the gift giver, that Christ is the gift giver and that he has given different gifts to different people in his church. So just one really quick application. Uh, if you're a Christian here this evening, God is giving you a spiritual gift. God is giving you a spiritual gift or uh, maybe plural gifts. Thank you, brother. <laughs> Amen, brother. Amen. That, that God is giving you spiritual gifts. And if you're a member here at CHCC, or maybe you're a Christian visiting from another church, you all have been given spiritual gifts that God has graced you with for his glory to be used in ministry, to be used for his services, for his namesake. So for all the members here at CHCC, uh, maybe we've already, I believe we have for the most part, discerned well together what your spiritual gifts are and you're already possibly already serving in ways uh, that match your giftings. Uh, if not, I want to encourage you to, to be in prayer about this. I want to encourage you to spend some intentional time in prayer about this, about your spiritual gifts, what the Lord has given you. And then I want us to get some time together um, to, to pray. To, to look at scripture, to look at the scriptures that I even referenced and others and continue to discern well together what those gifts may be in hopes that you will be able to serve in that type of capacity. Amen. Amen. And so, yeah, I want to do that as a church family. Uh, but then at the same time, as a new church plant, there's a level to it where we all have to be flexible and humble um, we are all serving in multitudes of ways or a myriad of ways uh, for the advancement of the gospel. Um, and that could also mean that 
Uh, for some of you all in this season, you may be serving in an area. You might be like, man, this, this isn't really uh, what I'm gifted in. Uh, this isn't really what I feel called to or, or feel like the Lord has graced me with. But this is what you might say. I'm willing to serve in this area because there's a need, because there's a need. And this need helps to fulfill the overall mission of our church, which is to what? Make disciples. To make disciples. So with church planting, that is just the reality. We know that to be true. And uh, other church planters in the house as well know that to be true. And I'm encouraged by our church as we have some humble servants here by God's grace. We have some humble servants here like Jesus who are willing to do whatever for the sake of the gospel. And that is an encouragement and a blessing. And I'm just grateful for you all. And so as we continue on walking through this in verse eight, look there with me. Uh, this is a quotation from Psalm 68:18, which is, as Dr. Tony Marita uh, says, is a victory hymn. This is a victory hymn. And this psalm, in summary, points to the victory that our Savior, the Lord Jesus, won for us over sin, over death, and over the grave. And guess what? In doing all of this, in doing so, he then gave spiritually gifted people to his church, to minister for his glory. So look at what it says uh, in verse eight. It says, therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In verses nine through 10, Paul is referring to Jesus's ascent and descent. And so Verses 9 through 10 reads as follows. It says, in saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended in the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And I found this quote helpful in thinking about this to quote Dr. Marita again as he comments on this. Uh, these two verses, he says uh, in verses 9 through 10 which function like a parenthesis, Paul speaks of Christ's descent and ascent. Paul sees the incarnation, the descent, and ascension of Christ as evidence that Christ is Savior and King. Therefore, Christ is our ascended Lord. He came all the way down, Philippians 2, 5 through 8, and has now gone all the way up. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Christ is above all. Christ fills all. Christ gives gifts to all. Marvel at his generosity and authority. We should marvel, right? Just at Christ's generosity, his authority, what he has done in saving us and giving us gifts so that we might be able to minister for his glory, for the advancement of his gospel. In verse 11, do you see what the first three words there are? What are those first three words? So I'm reading from the ESV. For me, it's, it's and he gave. And he gave, which is another clear indication to Christ being the gift giver. 
He gave us these gifts. He gave us the gifts. So the gift giver is Christ. Now let's look at the actual gifts mentioned in this verse. This is our second sub point. So be the gifts. Look back with me at verse 11. It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. So we've we've talked about this some before in previous sermons, but but also to highlight it. Well, previous sermons actually here in the book of Ephesians, actually. Uh, So the words apostles uh, and prophets aren't meant to be read in their technical sense of their meaning. For example, apostles here isn't referring to the 12 apostles that were with Jesus. Apostles in this sense had to meet a particular criteria to be an apostle. So a couple of those things, the criteria that they would have had to have met to to be an apostle, one of them being is that they would have had to been called and chosen by Jesus to be an apostle. They would have had to been called and chosen to be an apostle. Two, uh, they would have had to have been with Jesus, have spent time with Jesus. And then three, they would have had to have been eyewitnesses of his resurrection. They would have had to have uh, been witnesses to him raising from the dead. So a few examples to support this in scripture. Feel free to turn here as well or write these references down. Uh, But Matthew 10, 1 through 4 and Acts 1, 21 through 26. So Matthew 10, 1 through 4 reads, And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Uh, The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. Who betrayed him. So that's Matthew uh, 10, 1 through 4. So these brothers were, were called and they were chosen by Jesus and given unique authority. Right? As we looked at the text, right? To, yeah, to uh, yeah, heal diseases, all these different things. They were given unique authority. And so here in Acts 1, um, this was after uh, Jesus has been betrayed by Judas for some money, uh, losing his apostleship status. Um, Jesus has already gone to the cross and died for sin and then raised from the dead. And here in Acts 1, uh, 21 through 26, here's what it reads. Still thinking about apostles and still thinking about the criteria that they had to meet. So they had to have been with Jesus, had to have been chosen by Jesus. Verse 21 in Acts 1. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two: Joseph called uh, Barsabbas, uh, yeah, Barsabbas, who was also called Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, you, Lord, who know the hearts of all show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from Judas, which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. Verse 26. And they cast lots for them and the lot fell on Matthias and he was numbered 
with the 11 apostles. So that's Acts 1, 21 through 26. And so you see that there, that Matthias was one who was, yeah, with Jesus uh, and was a witness of the resurrected Lord. So in this sense, family, there are no modern day capital A apostles. There are, yeah, no modern day capital A apostles. If you know of someone who meets that criteria uh, that I just walked through in 2021, let me know. Would, would love to meet them. Uh, got some questions. Would love to talk to them. Want to, yeah, hear, hear how life was with Jesus and all these different things. I'm being silly. But in the general sense of the meaning of the term apostle, the word means sent one. Right. So so that's the, the general sense of the meaning. It means sent one. And, and in some ways, we are all called to be sent ones, missionaries sent to yeah, proclaim the excellencies of Christ and to live on mission. As for prophets, there were people who were foretellers of God's word. And so this is who prophets were. They were foretellers of God's word, not fortune tellers. Right. So, for example, Jonah was a prophet, uh, you know, Jonah. Um, and God gave him right his word to go and share with the people of Nineveh. So in that sense, he was used as a mouthpiece for God. God had given his word. He commanded Jonah to go to Nineveh to proclaim his word to the people. So in this sense, even family, we don't have any modern day prophets. There's not a need for them. Because God has given us his word, right? The Bible. God has given us his word uh, to, yeah, to, to know him, to love him, to enjoy him, to obey him, and to, yeah, to, to share it. Jesus himself is the word who became flesh. And so you think about John 1, 1 through 2 and verse 14, Jesus is the word who was with God. He came, he became flesh. So in his incarnation, became flesh, took on, uh, yeah, took on something that was not of him. He took on flesh. He put it on like an Allen Iverson jersey. And he has spoken in these last days. So Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. Right. He has spoken in these last days and his words were written down as well as God's revelation from Genesis to Revelation, where he speaks to us daily. Where he speaks to us daily from his word. So there isn't a prophetic word being spoken from men to God's people in the original sense of the meaning of prophet. But in a general sense of the meaning of the term prophet is defined as one who. Uh, applies God's word to God's people, right? That's in the general sense of the meaning. So in the technical sense, we don't have, yeah, modern day prophets. So moving forward, continuing to talk about the gifts with evangelists. We are all called to share the gospel or evangelize. Uh, but then there are, so let me, yeah, let me say that again. We are all called, right? Every believer, every Christian, right? We, we spent some time talking about this in our, mission and vision series, right? And just in other times, but thinking about the great commission, Matthew 28, that God has called us all to obey. 
right? We are all called to make disciples. We are all, and then making disciples involves sharing the gospel. It involves sharing the truth of Jesus, right? So we're all called to do that. But then there are some who God has given the gift of evangelism. That he's gifted them in evangelism. You think about people like uh, Brother Rick. Uh, you think about people like uh, Brother Jeff from, from Mercy of Christ. Think about Pastor D and, and I'm sure plenty of others that we know uh, and can think of. For pastors and teachers, your Bible may have a footnote at the bottom of the page which tells us that pastors and teachers are meant to be read together. Right? It's meant to be combined. So it should read pastor teachers. And so what this means is, is that, yeah, pastors are shepherds. And so think First Peter 5, pastors are shepherds of God's flock, responsible for the tending to, the caring of, the protecting and leading of God's people. Uh, that's one of pastor's responsibilities, right? To, to shepherd the flock, to shepherd God's people. But another one of pastor's primary responsibilities is to preach and teach God's word. To preach and teach God's word. And this is a way that the shepherding of God's people even takes place by, yeah, looking in God's word and, you know, yeah, proclaiming God's word and, you know, in different settings, letting the word, yeah, shape us and encourage us and all of those different things. And so, so yeah, so pastors are to, to preach and teach God's word. So a pastor or elder, which is the same office, is one who has been called by God, who meets the qualifications of a pastor found in 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1. Uh, one of the qualifications listed in these passages speaks to the gift of teaching. Uh, so being able to teach, being apt to teach. Uh, but the rest, as we see in 1 Timothy 3, is, is, is about character. It's about character. So God has given and graced leaders with the gift of teaching his word. And so we see that uh, uniquely given to pastors and teachers. Now, every pastor is called and gifted to teach, but that teaching may happen in different settings. It may happen in different ways. For some, it will be during a Sunday sermon. Um, for others, it may be in small groups, Bible studies, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Or it could be a combination of all those different things. But that the, for pastors, they've been called to preach. They've been called to uh, teach God's word and gifted by God's grace to, to do that. Notice that in all of the gifts mentioned that they have something to do with proclaiming God's word. That they have something to do with, excuse me, proclaiming God's word. Although there aren't apostles and prophets in the original sense today, we do have evangelists. Pastor teachers who are called to do what? What are they called to? What's the goal? So this is the last sub point under this first point. And so what is the goal? The goal is, look back with me at verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. You see that? That is the goal. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. So here's a passage that tells all of us, right, what our job descriptions are in the church. 
Pastors are to preach and teach God's word, shepherd God's people and equip, train, prepare God's people for the work of ministry. The saints are called to do the work of the ministry. Pastors are saints, too. Their role just may look different. But, uh, yeah, called to work, called to serve all of us, called to, to work in that way. So this isn't the first time that Paul mentions work. Remember back in chapter 210. Uh, we were saved for and created for good works. So Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Right. So this is. Yeah, these are the works that God has prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. And I love what Marita says here to quote him again. He says the pastor or pastors, I might add, work. And the people work. So the pastors work and the people work. The church is to have an every member ministry. Every member. Everybody. Ministry. So one thought by a way of application, right? As a new church plant, one thing is for sure there's plenty of work, right, to be done. And I'm encouraged, once again, how every member here at CHCC is grinding, grinding. None of what we're doing would be possible apart from God and apart from you all's faithfulness in serving. So I praise God for you all, CHCC family. Let's keep grinding. Let's keep getting it in for the Lord. And so at the same time, I want to encourage and, 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 and yeah, I want to encourage and challenge us all. And even in light of that, to not get complacent, though, in the work, to, to not get complacent. Let's not slack. People's souls are at stake. There's more work to be done, even in the current ways we're already all serving. Right. I mean, we talked about this at our members meeting this past Wednesday. Right. That we want every. Yeah, we want every ministry and every serving opportunity at CHCC to be rooted in and fueled by our mission, which is we exist to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ among our neighbors and throughout the nations. Right. We want every. Yeah. Every ministry, every serving opportunity to be rooted in that and to be fueled by that. And this Mission statement is, is directly from the Great Commission from our Lord in Matthew 28, right? Which he calls us, commands us to go make disciples. So let me encourage everyone to do this, to, to see the ministry or area where you serve as a vehicle to or support of disciple making. Disciple making. See it as, yeah, a vehicle to the end goal. Or support to disciple making. So continue to show up and have a posture of readiness to serve with gladness, with joy, giving it your all and seeing the work of ministry as important, vital, something that you've all been called to, that we've all been called to and what we were made for. And this pleases God. And this helps towards fulfilling the Great Commission. Amen. 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 And as we do this, look at what it accomplishes. Look with me as we continue to think about the goal. Look what it accomplishes. Look at uh, verse 12b. So we looked at 12a, but look at 12b. 
for building up the body of Christ. This is what that accomplishes for building up the body of Christ. So every leader, every member functioning well in their God-given roles, doing the work of ministry, builds up the body. It builds up the body of Christ. Isn't this beautiful how God set this up? It's beautiful how, how, how God set this all up. We flourish well when we, yeah, when we all understand and live in God's roles for all of us and that he has given us all gifts to be used for his glory, the advancement of his gospel, and the building up of his church. We all flourish well. The church flourishes well when we uh, navigate in that way. So, so think of it as, yeah, like Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters. Right? Any, any X-Men fans in here? I like X-Men. Yeah, I got one couple over here. Uh, yeah, think, of, think about it as, man, like when you think about like Xavier School of Gifted Youngsters, all of these gifted leaders with like different gifts working together, right? Save the world, <laughs> right? Uh, to, to fight crime and all these different things. But all of them, so, so the, the reality of it is they need each other. Like Xavier has brought them all together so that they can work together with all of their different gifts, all of their different uniqueness and all these different things. To work together for that end goal, the mission. So think of it like that. Think of it in some ways like the church is like that, man, that God has brought us all together. Different backgrounds, unique giftings, all for the sake of his glory and for the advancement of his gospel in the neighborhood to the nations. Amen. Amen. So that's that's point one. God's plan for the health of his church, spiritually gifted leaders, all of us. So the pastors, the members, everybody. Uh, God has yet graced and given yeah, gifts for the sake of his glory. Now, our second and final point, God's plan for the health of his church, spiritually mature Christians, spiritually mature Christians. So that's verses 13 through 16. Let's look at the first sub point. So Christ likeness. So a Christ likeness. Look back with me at verse 13. It says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the, the, the purpose for leaders equipping all of us. Right. And all of us doing the ministry. Right. It's so that we all look and live more like Jesus. That's the goal. That's the purpose. So that we all look and live more like Christ. Amen. Paul mentions here uh, once again, unity, as he mentioned, as we saw what two weeks ago, as we studied verse one through verses one through six together, he talks about unity. Right. So he mentions unity here again. So we are to be unified in Christ together as a local church. It's something that we are to, that word attain there means to achieve. It's something that we are to achieve together. That's what that means. And we are also to achieve maturity in Christ. 
That's what it means to attain the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So Christ likeness. So we want to we want to look and live more like Jesus. God wants you and me, family, to grow up in Christ. Like, that's his will for Christians. To, to grow up in Christ. Uh, it's not his will for us to stay spiritual babes in him. Like he wants us to grow up. He wants us to, yeah, grow up in him. And so some of the practical ways that we grow in Christ, right? Reading and studying his word personally and in community, right? I, I, love, what, I love what Paul has been presenting here uh, as we've been studying here in Ephesians 4 is that, yeah, we are to do these things personally, but he, he calls us to do it in community. He calls us to do it as a church together. Yeah, like, it's not God's will for us to be long-ranger Christians. We are to be together. So, we, yeah, we study the Bible, you know, we pray, we do all these different things personally as we seek to know the Lord more. But the way God has designed it, that we do it in community. And that is a gift from God, that we get to come together as God's people to, to do these things. And so spending time in prayer, both personally, as I just mentioned, and in community and a myriad of ways uh, to, to grow in him. This is why Paul contrasts the spiritually mature in verse 13. So we're talking about Christ likeness, growing in Christ. This is why he contrasts the spiritually mature in verse 13 with no longer being children spiritually in verses 14 to 15, as we'll see here next. So one of the ways we grow in maturity and show evidences of maturity is our second sub point. And what is that? Characterized by truth. So being characterized by truth. Listen to verse 14 to 15. It says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So the question for us, family, is do you know the truth? Do you know the truth about God? And what that means for you in light of that? Do you, do you know the truth? You see, there's biblical teaching and then there's false teaching. There's biblical truth and then there's lies. There's no in-between. There's no in-between. It's one or the other. And Paul here is encouraging the church at Ephesus to grow, to be mature in the faith so that they won't get caught in those deceitful schemes or in that false teaching. The contrast in verses 13 to 14 uh, between being mature and being a child in the faith is meant to bring awareness to when we are children in the faith that we might be easily deceived. That we might be easily deceived. You think about young children, uh, they, are, they, they can be gullible. So when you're yeah, young in the faith, you could be liable to get swept up into false teaching 
if you're not careful. And so false teachers prey on those who may be young in the faith. So for those of us who are mature in the faith, we need to watch out for those who may be young in the faith or new to the faith and protect them, seek to protect them from getting lured into false teaching by those who may seek to prey on them. Some of the false teachings that we hear out on the block, right, when we're out sharing the gospel, and there's so many, but some of the things that we might hear, and not just on the block, but in our workplaces or uh, in our, yeah, with our families, I mean, whomever, right? Some of those things that might be uh, spewed is that Jesus is not God. That Jesus is not God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah LJ. So that, that's false teaching. And we hear it from those in other religions, right? Like Muslims that we might come into contact with, et cetera, et cetera, right? Another one, I don't need the church, right? I don't need the church. That may show a lack of understanding about the church and what the church is and what the church is for. We even see from this passage that we're studying that, uh, yeah, the church is necessary for our lives as Christians, and that the way God has orchestrated it is that, man, like, yeah, he's created a community with yeah, different backgrounds, different giftings for his glory, for the advancement of his gospel. And there are plenty, plenty more. But one other quick thought just on that last one about I don't need the church that I just wanted to mention. I know sometimes and I want to be I want to be gracious even in that. I know sometimes a statement like that can come from a place of hurt. Right. People have been like legitimately hurt by the church. And so we want to acknowledge that, right? We don't want to dismiss that. Or maybe, yeah, that person or maybe some of us or whomever, uh, yeah, experienced that church hurt. Maybe because we were a part of an unhealthy church. And so I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you experienced whatever it is that you experienced in that setting in a negative way. And I'm sorry that, yeah, the result of that has produced hurt, pain. But I want to encourage you all, family, the remedy for your church hurt or unhealthy views in the church. I like how Jackie Hill Perry said this. She tweeted this one time. She said, "Uh, do you know who God used to heal my church hurt? The church church so yeah deal with your church hurt deal with it in the church God has yeah created the church to love on you to care for you healthy churches to love on you to care for you so I believe that to be so true that God can and will use the church to provide healing for you from your church hurt, et cetera, et cetera. Don't distance yourself from the church. Instead, go deeper in the church, with the church, allowing the church to yeah, support you, to walk with you through that as you journey through that. So don't distance yourself. Instead, deepen your relationships with the healthy church, the body. And I pray that the Lord would use it to, yeah, to heal wounds, to heal hurts. I believe he can by the power of his spirit. 
through the proclamation of the good news of Christ. I believe he can. Amen. Amen. So in verse 15, we not only uh, know the truth, but we are to communicate it in love. Right. So may we, wherever we are on the block, with our families, wherever we are, may we humbly tell others the truth. May we do it in love, with love. Right? Not, not, yeah, not being puffed up with the truth and prideful with the truth so that when we tell the truth, uh, a person is getting offended with us in the way that we might communicate it or however that might be. Instead, may it be that if a person is offended, may they be offended by the gospel. May they be offended by the truth of God's word. And may the truth of God's word do the work in that individual's heart. Yeah. Amen. So may we yeah, communicate it with love. May we show the love of Christ. And then as we continue on, fam, there's that goal again. Our aim, right, is to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. That's the goal. Maturity, Christ likeness, looking more like him, living more like him. Walking, as we saw a few weeks ago, right? Uh, walking in a manner worthy of the calling to which Christ has called us to. He's called us to look like him, to live like him. Which leads to our last subpoint. See, connected. Connected. So we grow up in Christ and we are joined and held together. Look at verse 16, the last verse. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see that? So we, we come from Christ as he is the head. He's the head of the church, the head of the body. And us as the body, we are joined and held together. So that's. Yeah, held together by every joint, which is all of us, every member, as we're equipped. So let me pause here and say this really briefly. Uh, every member with every gift at CHCC and every future member with their particular gifts at CHCC is necessary. It's necessary for the growth and health of our church. You are necessary for the growth and health of our church. So I believe, yeah, this is, this is what is, is being said here, that, yeah, you are necessary. So the verse continues to say, when each part, get this now, when each part is working properly, though. So if you're a member of this church and you're not utilizing your gifts or you feel that you aren't growing in Christ uh, then you're not working properly, just to use the, the same words as the text. You're not working properly. And we need to get you to a place of working properly for your own spiritual health, right? But notice that it's not only for you. You as a part and working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So it's, it's, yeah, it's for your own spiritual health and growth, 
but it's also for the body, for the body, for you to be a healthy part with the rest of the parts so that we might grow and be built up in love. Last thing I'll say, actually two things. Every member at CHCC is responsible for every member here at CHCC. Notice I said we are all responsible. Because yes, I am responsible in the sense that I am, you know, the pastor as well as a member, right? So I am responsible, but we are all responsible for and held accountable to one another. The church, the body, every joint connected together. I mean, think about all the one another passages in scripture that, that that's for all of us to live out. All of us, right? To live out. So if you see or know of a member who's not working properly, to use the same uh, yeah, verbiage in the text, the same words in the text, or is drifting or distancing themselves or caught in sin or about to be caught in sin, it's all of our responsibility to love that brother or sister, to help that brother or sister, to encourage that brother or sister, to challenge that brother or sister, right? All of our responsibility. And then to alert me if needed so that I can step in to support in that encouragement or in that work to yeah, help along in that process. It's like the old saying, you see something, say something. We don't want to see anybody on the fringes. We want to see everybody by God's grace yeah, working properly in their giftedness, uh, yeah, in a good, spiritual, healthy place so that we as a church body can work properly together for the glory of God and for the witness of the gospel. Amen? Amen. And then the last thing, I'll be reaching out to, to every member at CACC uh, to just check in and to discuss things pertaining to this passage, right? To discuss and talk about, as I mentioned earlier in the sermon, but to talk about, yeah, giftedness and to discern well together and process uh, well together. Um, yeah, all of these different things that we've here studied in this passage and to then think through a game plan, right? To make sure that we're all, yeah, working properly by God's grace. So be on the lookout for an email or a text from me in the coming days, weeks, for us to schedule some time to, to do that. Um, and I'm looking forward to, to those conversations. And one of the things in thinking about that is that, once again, this all is rooted in and fueled by the Great Commission. As we seek to, yeah, mature in Christ, as we seek to, yeah, be spiritually you know, gifted leaders in the church who then equips the church, who then yeah, works together in the church for the goal of maturity in Christ for every member in the church. For the proclamation of the gospel in Southeast D.C., in Congress Heights and into the nations. We want to be a healthy people spiritually. So that we might yeah, be a healthy church.
for God's glory. Amen? Amen. Amen. So as I encourage the worship team to come back up, let's, let's close, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for uh, your word. We thank you for um, yeah, the truth of your word. And uh, we know that, um, yeah, just in thinking about, yeah, how you've called us to yourself, how you've saved us through the gospel, and how you've, you've given all of us, Lord, spiritual gifts to be used for your glory, for the advancement of your gospel. God, we ask, God, that you would help us in all of that, Lord. Would you, would you yeah, give us wisdom? Would you give us discernment for some of us who may still be thinking about that and trying to figure that out, Lord, and uh, figure out their place in some ways, God? I pray that you would give wisdom, that you would give discernment, that you would give peace. And God, would you help us to, yeah, be... Yeah, healthy church, God, with healthy church members who seek to, yeah, Lord, work and function properly together for your glory. We need your spirit to do it, God. We can't do it apart from you. So would you grant it? Would you bless it? Would you, yeah, encourage? Would you bring it about? We pray. In Jesus' name, amen.